0: be good to him amen. amen and the better we are to him the better we are to other people may God help us in these last days let's be thankful for all of the music today hadn't it blessed your heart it's blessed mine reminding us what you want to do you want you want to clap we're clapped in all right don't mean no We're starting on you can't finish Wanda amen. You can't give God too much praise, right? And how good he's been to us. Good to see Cindy's sister, Cindy Raphael's sister, who's been here on a number of occasions, but she's in town. Always such a wonderful, worshipful, positive spirit. And we're glad that God is blessing you. We so appreciate your support to Cindy. Cindy's been a trooper around here across those Baptist Church, and she and others are in the process of of working through some grief counseling help. Cindy has been working on that, getting trained and certified, and a whole lot of people grieve, but boy, if we can get them some help through the Lord, amen, what a difference that will make. We so appreciate all of the efforts that are happening around here at Crossroads Baptist Church. Leviticus chapter 10, that's where we are, and you can find that in your Bible, and we are trying to make it look easy on you. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. All right? Pastor, I'm having a little bit of trouble finding Leviticus. Well, look it up on your phone. L-E-V. No, I'm just kidding. Third chapter in the Word of God. Our text verse is coming from chapter number 10. And then we're going to flip back in just a little bit to chapter number 8, which is where we spent our time last week rehearsing some of what we discussed and then giving a few details from the Word of God that I believe will help us. The Bible says in verse number 1 of chapter 10, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, put fire therein, put incense thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord which he commanded them not and then went out fire from the Lord and did what? did what? good thing or bad thing? it's not good to be devoured by the Lord remember earlier they offered to God and God sent down fire and the fire devoured or consumed the sacrifice good thing or bad thing? Good thing. So, watch this now. If you're worshiping the Lord, you don't want to get devoured. You want the sacrifice devoured. If you get devoured, something went wrong. So, how bad did God devour them? Well, look at the next statement. They died before the Lord. That's about as you get devoured, you're going to die. Then Moses said unto Aaron, next three words, it. say it again. It. Now, now, church, in these last days, we got to figure that out. Amen. Right. We need some saved people. Say amen if you say. Amen. To be able to know this is it. What, what is this is it symbolic of? This is what God said. This is what the Lord spake. This is what God told you. Could I I give you some alternative phrases for this is it? I told you I wasn't playing. This is it. It's almost like Moses is looking at Aaron and saying, why two people have to die to believe God meant what he said? Acts chapter 5. Here comes a couple. You know their name? What's the husband's name? Ananias. What's his wife's name? We got any Sapphira's in the building? (laughs) None? None? Anybody named Sapphira? Okay, nobody named Sapphira. We got some pregnant women. Any of you? uh, Samantha, Shazigan having a girl. Sapphira? I don't think so. Probably. They sold land, lied about what they sold, and tried to fool the preacher. You can fool the preacher, but you can't fool God. They died. Fear came upon the church. See, everybody's antennas go up when tragedy happens. The problem is not long after they go back down. This is it. This is it. This is what the Lord said. I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the uh, that come nigh me, and before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held, Aaron, I told you, God said he's going to be treated special. You can't come to him any way. You can't do him anyhow. Worship is not how you want it to be. You can't play games with God, and your two sons died for trying. Strange fire. Let's look back at chapter number eight. Let's go there before you're seated. This is about the time my wife gives me the signal, honey, we're still standing. (laughs) I know. They stand a whole lot longer at this for football games and music concerts. Remember the Bible in Ezra, they stood all day long. I won't have you do that because I'm not even standing. All right? But just let me give you this out of, Leviticus 8. Now, these verses come before chapter 10. So these are the prerequisites that God expects of Nadab and Abihu in order to perform their priestly duties. So when you look at God seeming to be harsh in chapter number 10, please understand in chapter 8, he was very clear on his instructions. Be careful when you're calling God a bad dude when God was very, very careful in his instructions. Isn't he much more merciful then he is tough. Because if he was not merciful, we'd all be dead. Now here's the instruction. He brings all the assembly to the door. Verse 4, Moses said in the congregation. Now here's another phrase. Verse number 5, four words, this is the thing. Chapter 10, this is it. Say it, this is it. Chapter 8, this is the thing. God's pointing out. He's very clear. But the Lord commanded to be done. Verse 6 Moses brought Aaron and his sons, as we talked about last week, and washed them with water. Clean them up. Verse 7 And he put upon him the coat. Dress him up. Uh oh. Gird him with a girdle that holds it together. Clothe him with a robe. Goes over it. The ephod upon him. It's long tunic that he has. Gird him with the curious girdle upon the ephod. Bound it unto him therewith. Amen. Once you put it on, you want to make sure it stays on. Can I get a witness? Verse 8. And he put the breastplate upon him. Also he put in the breastplate the Urim and the thumb. Up. How many of you say, Pastor, I would say amen, <laughs> but I don't know what that is. <laughs> Raise your hand. How many, you be, how many of you would be pleased if when you left church you did know what it is? Well, we're going to help you in just a little bit. Let the church say amen. amen. Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Do a great work. Hide behind the cross of Christ. I love you, Lord. Help us to bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Last week, we established in Scripture that the time of Leviticus is happening in a different age than the one in which we live. The Bible is broken down into dispensations. They are periods of time in which God worked with his people in a certain way. Leviticus is a different dispensation than 2023. There were priests, there were sacrifices, there were altars, there were laws, there were statutes, there were rules, there were restrictions, there were regulations. Not anybody could go into the tabernacle and offer sacrifices. Not anybody could enter the Holy of Holies. Not anybody could trim the wicks on the candlestick. Not anybody could offer the bullock for God. Not anybody could carry out the duties. Now, God was concerned about all his people, but he had some restrictions for who who did what? And when somebody who wasn't supposed to do something did something he wasn't supposed to do, God dealt with them. Now watch this now. The rules may be different as the way God spells them out in 2023. But let me tell you something. God still has an order. Somebody say amen. God still has restrictions. He still has rules. The principles of Leviticus that we spoke about at the beginning of this book, this series, have not changed. God is still holy. Somebody say Amen. Yes, God still believes in sacrifice. Somebody say, say, well, pastor, I didn't bring an animal. I didn't bring a lamb. I didn't bring a goat. I didn't bring a sheep. But no, no, no. In this dispensation, God gives us what sacrifice is all about. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Well, God doesn't want sacrifice anymore. That's just not so. He doesn't want animal sacrifices, but he still wants sacrifice. He said, don't put the animal on the altar. Put yourself on the altar. Present your living body, yourself a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. Listen to me. Once the sacrifice gets on the altar, it does what? It dies. It dies. That's what's wrong with the Christian life today. The sacrifice isn't dying. Pastor, I'm a little confused. How you want me to come to church if I'm dead? I'm not talking about physically, I'm talking about spiritually. And I'm not talking about the spiritual death that you've got saved from. I'm talking about placing myself where I die with Christ. Listen to me. Christ died on the cross. The old man has to die. The flesh has to die. My wishes, my plans, my goals, my dreams. This flesh, this selfishness, sinfulness, stubbornness, slothfulness, and foolishness has to die. Where I want to go, what I want to do, what I want to say has to die. You say, that's a threat to me. When I die, I can't enjoy life. No, 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 no. He that loses his life shall save it. He that saveth his life shall lose. Listen to me. you never lose when you die. Because Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When I take Kenny off the throne, Jesus sits on the throne. I don't stop living. I start living because instead of trying to do right, Jesus successfully does right through me. Now, we're in Leviticus chapter 8. and Here's the rule for the priest. Now, according to Peter, we are a royal priesthood. So now every single one of us that is saved, listen, you don't get saved by joining a church. You don't get saved by getting baptized. You get saved by getting washed in the blood. Somebody say amen. Amen. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He that believeth on me hath everlasting life and is passed from death unto life that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved with the mouth confession is made with the heart man believeth unto salvation for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord listen to me except ye repent ye shall all likewise perish we are saved by grace through faith not of ourselves it's the gift of God not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost sin demanded a sacrifice you and I couldn't make it because we were too sinful to pay for our own sins. But the only one who was human and God at the same time laid his own life down on the cross of Calvary. See, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus dying on the cross was not a favorable option, it was the only option. And when he died, First John says he is the propitiation for our sins. Here's what that word means: He appeases the wrath of God. In other words, God looks at sin; he gets mad. But God looks at Jesus' sacrifice for sin; he's not mad anymore. Somebody say, "Man, he satisfied the wrath of God." All the bulls, all the goats, all the sacrifices, all the autographs, all the di- dietary restrictions that were done in the Old Testament never satisfied the wrath of God. But Hebrews said, "This man." Somebody say, "Man," after he offered sacrifice for sin, sat down at the right Hand of the throne of God. You know why he sat down? Because he was finished. Listen, te telesti, Jesus said on the cross. It is finished. He said, I am finished. If he was finished, he'd be dead. He said, It is finished. Aren't you glad he ain't finished? He's making intercession for us. Aren't you glad he ain't finished? He's there for us every single day. Aren't you glad he ain't finished? He feels our pain. Aren't you glad he ain't finished? He talks to God on our behalf. Aren't you glad he ain't finished? He's coming back one day to take us to heaven. Aren't you glad he ain't finished? He's building a mansion for us in heaven right now. Aren't you glad he ain't finished? He's He's going to whoop the devil at the end of the tribulation period. Aren't you glad he ain't finished? He's going to establish a new heaven and a new earth. He ain't finished, but it was finished. The work for salvation was done when he died. Aren't you glad about it? So now I don't don't do right to be saved. I do right because I am saved. Hebrews chapter 4, he paved the way. Now we have boldness to enter the glories of heaven. In the Old Testament, the high priest went into the presence of God, offered a sacrifice for sin. Jesus was our great high priest. He didn't take an animal's blood. He took his own blood. Everybody following me? He had to take his own blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Why is blood shed for remission of sins? Leviticus, the life of the flesh is in the blood. You stop living when your body stops pumping blood. So the reason why blood had to be paid for your sin is because blood is synonymous with life. When somebody died, something else had to pay for that sin. A life died, so a life had to pay for that dead life. But this man that died didn't stay dead. He rose again, conquering death. So you and I that die don't have to stay dead either. So now we live as priests. So the priest in Leviticus 8, principally, is showing us in 2023 the seriousness of the priesthood. And although we're not wearing the same thing, we're not practicing the same specific strategies, we learn from Leviticus 8 just how serious God said coming in his presence is. Because we're in it now. If you don't think you're in it, what'd you come for? We're in the presence of God now. You you ain't going to get help by me. You're going to get help if I tell you the person, the only person you get help from. I lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence comes my help, my help coming from the Lord. A good church will usher you into the presence of God. Now the question is, how comfortable are you entering any kind of way? It ought to be that the example of Nadab and Abihu make us all check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. because the dispensation has changed but God hasn't so last week here's the priest remember the consuming fire has not been sustained they were supposed to take the fire that God gave them and keep the fire burning say it with me keep the fire burning say it again keep the fire burning how? remove the ashes, replace the wood, remain in the sanctuary get the ashes out, replace the wood you can't burn fire on the same wood forever at some point you got to change the wood right? You can't live the Christian life on one message. You got to keep reading your Bible, right? Mm -hmm. So the consuming fire has not been sustained. So when fire that's supposed to keep going goes out, then you got to come up with another one. So the current farce is from the wrong source. Because Nate the Bible didn't keep the fire that God sent going, they came up with their own fire. So they put some incense in one of these... Censors and whipped up fire because after all we got to make a sacrifice and if we don't have the right fire we got to whip up our own fire and that's what's wrong with religion today people are stirring up their own fires here's the definition of strange fire from the text go back to 10 would you just a second i know we're supposed to be in eight we're gonna go there listen the best way to define the bible is with the bible Here's the best way to define strange fire. Verse number one. Nadab and by who the sons of Aaron took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offer what? Strange fire before the Lord. How do you define strange fire? Last phrase. Which he what? His strange fire. Anything God didn't command you. Anything not sanctioned by the word of God. I might ruffle some feathers right now, but that's, you know, that's okay because the only way you can be free is to know the truth, amen. and they should know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. By the way, Scripture never says set you free, it's make you free. Make you free, all right? You set somebody free, you might be free for a little while and get locked back up. You make me free, that's the status I want to live, amen? Free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, 2 Corinthians. So God wants you to be free. God wants you to have liberty. Galatians chapter 5, stand fast in the liberty wherewith you are called. Sin puts us in bondage. Submission to God gives us liberty. So, So we have to understand there is freedom in the Lord, but there is bondage when we step outside of the parameters of God's word and sanction them because we prefer to. Listen, I don't care how many people are doing it. It's not right if, it, if God says no. God has a position on spiritual gifts. God has a position on leadership in the church. God has a position on, on, on baptism. God has a position on regeneration. God has a position on worldliness. He has a position on morality, a position on marriage, a position on the distinction between genders. And it didn't take five books to establish it. He did it in Genesis. Male and female created he them. I don't care what's legislated. It doesn't matter what's legislated. God had a law before there was legislated. Before there was government, there was God. And after all the governments crumble, there'll still be God. And in between the establishment and the demise, God is still God. So, so, so we don't have to try to get philosophical, strange fires, or anything. He commanded them not. So they did something he told them not to do. That's, well, that's how I grew up. You got a whooping because you did something I told you not to do. All the explanation about what had happened and I had to and I you know, just couldn't help it and I was going to clean it. Did, t- did I tell you what this is it? This is what Aaron is telling Aaron. It's almost like Moses is looking at his, at his, at his brother and said, Look, bro, I know you're sad that your sons died, but they knew better. God told you he would be sanctified, he would be honored. They ignored him. Find me somebody in Scripture that ignored God where it turned out well for him. Starting with the first two people. Eve, you know, Eve, Eve got tripped up, but she got tripped up because she started doubting God's word. Now listen to me, beloved. You're gonna to have to quit doubting God. Circumstances make us doubt God's word, Satan's temptations make us doubt God's word, popular trends make us doubt God's word. Now, we like, don't really, it ain't really that bad. No, 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 it is bad if God says it's bad. It Maybe legal, but legal doesn't mean moral, certainly doesn't mean scriptural. Okay, so you may the, the world may say if you're a man, you go marry a man, but the Bible says you better not. Listen to me, girls, young ladies, the world says you can go into the clinic, don't take your mama there, and kill a baby. But the Bible says that David said, when I was curiously wrought in the Lord's parts of the earth, when I was unmasking my skeletal form, God saw me, he knew me. Jeremiah said he ordained me to be a prophet to the nations. I am somebody before my parents named me. Conception, amen. So we, we have to be careful. Let's not get political. Let's stick with the book. So okay, go back to 8. We're still in the same book. It's just a little one little page. Last week verse number 6. Here it is. So the current farce is from the wrong source. Thirdly, the Christian focus is not serious. Why is strange fire being offered? Because worshiping God is not serious enough. You know we serious people. Come on. Every single one of us has areas in our lives that are real serious. Okay? So, how many of you are serious about your meals? Okay. All right. How many of you serious about sports? How many of you wives are married to a, a man that does not like, Keisha already put her hand up, already put just waved it, waved it hard. Married to a man who does not like to be bothered in the middle of a game. Especially if it's the Dallas Cowboys. Visitors, visitors. This is it? Somebody about to get devoured in here. Years ago we had a man in our church and, and when he came to my house to watch the game he, he brought his wife and she, I mean we in the middle of the game she, went, she got the Bible open Pastor, this verse right here let me tell you something don't be asking me about the Bible verse right now and don't ask me at halftime because it may take more than 12 minutes to answer it. But the whole, and he'd be saying, he, next, next time he came to the game, he said, I didn't bring her. <laughs> but wait a minute, fellas. How many of you married to a woman that's serious when she's watching a certain show? Come on, fellas, right? Yeah, yeah, we know something, something about that. I walk in the room, my wife's watching something. I, I, my room. I mean, I live in the same room with her. I walk in the room, just to like, go grab a little pair of shoes to change into pause, pause, then look at me as I walk. Is that the last thing you get? Get everything while you're in here in one trip. Okay. Some people are serious about their golf. I mean, we, we play, we, we enjoy it, we're pretty serious, but we've, we know people that are real serious. I mean, we play, if, if the putt is close enough to the hole, another partner can give you the putt and say, you don't have to putt it, it's good enough, we'll let you have it. Some people, you had put everything. You know why some of them are so serious about their golf? Because they're serious about their gambling. They got money on it. See, see, watch this now. I'm trying to tell you, you are serious about anything you put quality time into. And folks aren't serious about God because God's not getting quality time. You read your Bible every day, you get more serious about worship. So I'm going to show you why the priest was supposed to be serious. Number one, verse number six, he was brought in and washed with water we saw this he was free of sin or you could write this down fully separated everything dirty on him was supposed to be displaced from him everything dirty on him was supposed to be here's what God is saying to Aaron and his son before y'all go up in here and see me wash yourselves with water and I'm asking the church which is the body of Christ, which are the people in the building. The church is not this steeple. The church is you and me. I'm asking you while you're sitting here at 1210 in the afternoon on this day in the month of June 2023, you're in church right now. Did you wash before you came? Because we're not coming to see the president. We come to see God. Free of sin. Write this down, and and I'm not going to spend terribly too much longer on it. But the second one is what I call not only free of sin or fully separated, but the second one is what I call familiar with the sovereign. If you want an alternative statement for it, in fellowship with the sovereign. Now, let's look at these verses. Let me just give you a thought today that I want you to get. Because for the priest, it wasn't just important that he was clean, but it was also important that he was clothed. Huh? See, see, it's a good thing for you to get, take a shower. Come on, somebody say amen. You know what else is good? for you put some clothes on when you get out. Thank God for a clean body, but you clean your body so that your clean clothes go on, somebody help me preach, on a clean body. This was what the familiarization with the sovereign was. This was what fellowship with the sovereign was. You say, Pastor, we're we talking about, this? Look, at, look, at verse number, look at verse number seven, and he put on his coat and girded them with a girdle. Now, I don't have time to deal with all of this. Maybe next, next week we'll, I'll, I'll show you some of these items. But, but but I want you to notice, he puts on this coat, he puts on this girdle, the girdle is keeping it together. He's got, he's got this long robe and this ephod, this tunic that's, that's going to go over him, that's got two sh- shoulder shoulder pads on it. This, this girdle is going to keep it all together and bind it up to him. He's going to be clothed in a way that's indicative. Watch, watch this. Here's what God is saying to these priests. He's saying when you leave from out there and get ready to go in here, you need to change your wardrobe so that your mind take seriously what you're doing. In other words, I take this thing so seriously, how your dress determines how you function. I'm not preaching on dress this morning. I'm just preaching on the seriousness of priesthood that our clothing should be that which indicates the gravity of our function. In other words... You know, what what, what goes on the job and what's cool on social media and and what's fine at the club, this ain't the club. This is not the job. This is God. And here's the thing about worship. Worship doesn't end when the service is over. Every day, I will bless your name. Yes, what the song just said, I bless your name, forevermore. So listen, your worship keeps going when you go home today. Amen. So clothing matters. The ephod. Verse 8, let's, let's hurry up and get out of here. Put on the breastplate upon him. And, and now the breastplate, we know Ephesians chapter 6 put on the breastplate, breast, the breastplate of righteousness. But now, this, we've got this breastplate that the priest would wear over top of this ephod, this robe. And the scripture says, putting in the breastplate is the Urim and the Thummim. Let's talk about the Urim and the Thummim. That's what it looks like, all right? Urim and the Thummim. Now, let's describe it a little bit more and talk about what this Urim and the Thummim is because it was a big deal in those days and it's not something that's still used today but it's something that God used then. Urim means lights. Thummim means perfection. Okay. These were stones. You're looking at them. There's some demonstration of them there. They were carried by the high priest of Israel on his priestly garments. Scripture says he put them in the breastplate. Okay. There were oftentimes there were other stones that were put with the priest. And sometimes you put like 12 stones representative of the 12 tribes of Israel. Anybody follow? Now, here's what happened with this Urim and Thummim. You see the priest, how he's dressed? The high priest would take these two stones and determine God's will in certain situations. We don't don't, don't give clarity on scripture on how exactly it happened. Some propose that God would take the Urim and the Thummim and make them light up in a certain way to show a pattern to reveal his decision. Others say that the Urim and the Thummim were kept in a pouch and were engraved as symbols, and one said yes, and one said no, and they would find out if God wants yes. One would say that, and the other one would say... It's unclear whether uh, the Urim and the Thummim were on, by, or on the high priest's ephod. Here in Leviticus chapter 8, we're told they were placed in the breastplate. No one knows the precise nature of the Urim and the Thummim or ha- exactly how they were used. The Bible simply doesn't give us enough information... We see the urim and the thummim rare in the Bible. They're mentioned first in Exodus twenty-eight, thirty. Mentioned again here in Leviticus eight, eight. When Joshua succeeded Moses as leader over Israel, he was to receive answers from God by means of the Urim. In other words, God was going to tell him from the Urim what he was supposed to do through Eliezer, the high priest. The Urim and Thummim are next mentioned when Moses was dying and he blessed Levi. So here's what happens. Here's what we know about scripture. We don't know if they lit up. We don't know if they spoke. We don't know if they said yes. We don't know if they said no. But we know enough about the Bible that the priest would go to these stones to hear from God. Here's what God's saying. Worship is so serious, don't you walk in there unless you're so connected with me that when you need an answer, you know how to get it. Familiar. Familiar in clothing. Put this in your notes. Familiar in communication. And then put this in your notes. Familiar in comprehension. I want you to go home and think about this. How much of the Christian life are you trying to live unclear on what God's saying? Now, there's proof text in Scripture. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not on your understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge Him. He shall what direct thy path. Ephesians chapter five be not unwise but understanding what the will of the lord is romans chapter 12 that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of god john seven seventeen. if any man will do his will he shall know of the doctrine whether i speak of god or whether i speak of myself here's what the army of issachar is said about them in chronicles when david's army came together the sons of issachar which had understanding of the times I'm concerned. I'm concerned that Christian people are meandering through worship and don't have a clue what God's saying. Now, somewhere in scripture, the Urim and Thummim stopped being used. They didn't use it anymore. Could I submit to you? We certainly don't need it now. Because when I need to know what God has to say, I don't need two stones, I got 66 books. But the principle is the same in Leviticus that it, that it is now. It's the same now that it was then. It didn't matter if they had stones, if they didn't consult the stones. Listen to me. It don't matter if you have a Bible if you don't check the Bible. What is supplementing your marriage? What is your rule book for raising children? What is your barometer for godly music? What is the determining factor for how you dress? How do you regulate your thought life? How do you determine your accountability? What is your litmus test for friendship? Who sets the boundaries for who you ask out on a date? I'm telling you the answer for all of them, so don't scratch your head, the Bible. And God says, you know know what almost he's saying to to Aaron in chapter number 10. Them boys had instruction and they had two stones to consult God if they weren't sure what they were supposed to do. And they still went in there and whipped up some strange fire. Now I'm sorry for you, my brother, but they deserve to die. This is what Moses is in so so many words saying to us. Now folks, we have a much greater advantage than they did in Leviticus. I'm closing with this thought. Matthew 17, I believe it is. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to the Mount of Transfiguration, climbs this high elevation. When he gets to the top, the light of God shines down on Jesus. There's a glow on him. Come on now, ain't nobody like it. Peter, James, and John look up, and all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah appear on the mountain with them. And Peter says, let's build three booths and put all three of these guys in here, and let's stay a while. There's a problem with that statement, because if you build three booths, that means that all three of them are equal. Moses is a good guy, and Elijah called down five from him, but ain't neither one of them, Jesus. So the next thing that happens is, all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah are gone. Somebody say, Gone. Peter and James John look up and there's nobody there according to the scripture save Jesus only. Sometimes God has to evaporate some people out of your life so the only person you're looking at is Jesus Isaiah said Uzziah died. Why? Because I need, quit looking at Uzziah who disappoints me and look at Jesus who delights me. Quit looking at Uzziah who's faulty and look at Jesus who's flawless. Quit looking at Uzziah who makes mistakes and look at Jesus who's masterful. Quit looking at Uzziah who rules, reigns, and dies and looks at Jesus whose kingdom has no end. Sometimes God got to move some stuff out of our lives because we don't move it out ourselves. And God is speaking from heaven on the Mount of Transfiguration. Here he is. Boy, I like when God says this, puts his finger on something. Here's God speaking from it. This is my beloved son. Hear him. don't you think he's saying that to all the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Muslims, the Catholics, the Buddhists, the the, the Hindus, those in Confucius, those who God is a female. I mean, anybody who's looking for a way to go to heaven, I hear God from heaven say, this is my beloved son here. He's talking to Peter James. Y'all listen to him. You listen to him, your life will go right. There's a glow on Jesus. Them fellas came down from that mountain and they couldn't even describe what had happened. Peter gets to the end of the New Testament, and he's writing. Jesus has died and gone to heaven. Peter is alive. Eventually, some say they believe he's going to be crucified upside down. He says in 2 Peter chapter 1, I saw Jesus on the mountain, and there was a glow on him. Here's Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1. But we have a more sure word of prophecy. Here's what Peter said. As good as he looked up there on that mountain, and I was a firsthand witness, he looks even better in this book. No scripture came by private interpretation, but holy men of God as they were moved by ladies and gentlemen. I don't know what you get what I'm saying. In the Bible, they had to wait from God to speak to a prophet, and the prophet had to tell them. And if the prophet was crooked, they couldn't hear from God because the man messed them up. But you and I, listen, you can go to a bad church, a lying preacher, a crooked church, and still hear from God. Because you got a Bible that was written by Almighty God, and he cannot lie. We are without excuse with this flippant, carnal selfish worship when we have a book that has been so clear on the character of our holy God now here's what I want you to do this week don't make any decisions without consulting the Urim and the Thummim it's a good deal it looks good financially. It feels good. My heart said do it. Jeremiah said your heart is deceitful above all things and desperately and wicked. Don't follow your heart. You know how many people die and go to hell following their heart? Check the stones. Check the book. Say, God, I'm a priest. Every bit of my business in life is God's business. So before I make a move, if God has given me the provision to hear from him, it's up to me to check it. And if I don't, don't get mad when God judges me. Because after all, he didn't leave us in the dark, right? Amen. Thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto my. Pe- could, could I ask you a question? If you got a lamp and you got a light, why you keep tripping? Amen. Amen. Somebody help me preach. The, li- the light ain't no good if you don't turn it on. Yeah. May God help us to use the light. To use the light, to shine the light, so that we'll walk the way we should walk before a holy God. let bow our heads. Pastor, I'm saved and I know it. If you know it, would you raise your hand? I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. I have Bible to prove it. I've I've put my faith in Christ. I'm heaven bound. God bless you. Put your hands down. Pastor, God has convicted me. I want to be a believer that consults God in my decisions and not one that makes them on my own understanding that's you which put your hand up God's spoken to me God help us brothers. the minor prophet said multitudes multitudes in the valley of decision
1: it is so easy to make wrong decisions
0: the devil is so crafty isn't he sure is last question pastor I'm not sure if I died today I'd go to heaven but I'm sure I do not want to go to hell anybody like that pray for me I'm not sure if I died today I'd go to heaven I'm sure I do not want to go to hell anybody like that would you raise your hand thank you I see that hand someone else Anyone else? Yeah. Anyone else? In the balcony, anybody else? Yes, God bless you. Anyone else? You don't have to go to hell. Jesus already paid the price. Bless you. The music is playing. I want you to stand to your feet right where you are. Music is playing. Stand right where you are. All of us, let's stand, please. And I want to allow those that want to use the altar to use it today. Do business with God. Come talk to God. God, I've got some decisions to make in my life. And I don't want to make them without consulting you. Every single one of us has carnage in the rearview mirror of decisions we made without consulting God. It doesn't go well. Bless you. You say, well, it it, it seems right. We, 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 we. I prayed about it. That, that this is, listen, we'll make sure we get it right. And this book is never wrong. Never wrong. May God help us to consult God. Oh, God help. Lord, we thank you for the clarity of your word. There, there, there are passages in scripture that we, we stagger at. Stuff in Ezekiel and Revelation that puzzles us. But there are other passages that are just so clear, so open, so obvious. And we are so utterly guilty with ignoring them time and time again give us a commitment to the book reading every day and then Lord help us to seek your word the Bible tells us seek your word seek godly counsel seek your peace help us to be clear on moving Because you are a holy God that deserves it. We bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. As you're seated, give God the praise for being in God's house today.